You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. MashaAllah, many of you have uh, oh, are enjoying and alhamdulillah with the, the type of uh, messages that, that I'm getting through. And, uh, you know, after the last show, our attorney, Hafiz Muhammad Kuvadia, I told him, uh, Hafiz Ab, you can't negotiate with me. You have to come on part two. And you said, why, Shafat? I said, the questions that came for you is just unreal. So you have to do part two. And uh, before Ramadan, uh, this will be the last uh, legal show before, uh, you know, after Ramadan, after Eid. We'll be back in action. So uh, who better than our very own uh, attorney, Hafiz Muhammad Shafatia? to do the Al-Wida program before Ramadan comes in. Uh, Muhammad, assalamu alaikum. Tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful Friday evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I hope that you can hear me well on that side of the world, and I'm doing well. Jazakallah. It's uh, Al-Wida to the program, but it's Ahlan wa Sahlan to your listeners uh, this evening. So let's start off on a welcoming note, inshallah. Jazakallah khair for having me once again. And I hope this evening we can have a robust discussion and a robust talk, inshallah. Yeah, it's going to be robust. I don't know your mic a little, uh, it sounds a little muffy, but uh, perhaps uh, your connection. Uh, may, uh, well, you've got a microphone or what you have in front of you, Mohammed? With you, we need to go for the best. You've made it a point <laughs> of mentioning to us that you'd like, you like good so- sound <laughs> quality. And I got to respect you for that. Yes, the sound quality I think is good, but the right, internet right. connection is not always the okay, best. Okay, okay. So we hope, inshallah, that the program can get off to a better start. Maybe Shaitan is trying his last attempt, yeah. and uh, last ditch attempt before he gets locked up for thirty days to try to sabotage whatever little good it is that we can do. <laughs> no, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, Muhammad. Uh, you know, you always. Uh, last week uh, we had a brilliant uh, discussion where you know you spoke about uh, rights of uh, pensioners uh, owning land and properties and uh, do they qualify uh, for rebate and so forth but i've noticed a lot of questions have come through uh, following that program i think and uh, uh, we, we spoke a little bit of spirituality and so forth and you know that is one of the beautiful things that comes uh, to the fore when you come on board and uh, perhaps uh, you know that a feeling of uh, you getting ready you know, you give so many lectures uh, besides, uh, you know, on comparative religion. You also go to various masajids and, uh, you know, pre Juma Qutbah, you're there. And Alhamdulillah, really, Allah has given you so much uh, to do. But I think uh, you embrace it, you celebrate it. And uh, the beauty is, I know every time you make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving you that amana. And uh, that amana, you say, uh, I mean, I, I will say this, uh, we hope and pray that uh, we fulfill Allah's obligations upon us in a manner that pleases him most. Uh, perhaps a quick thought from you, Mohammed. Gee, so it's truly an honor and a blessing to be invited from time to time to various masajids, to various programs, to various radio slots like yourself. So, you know, we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who took, who's taken a simple person like myself and given me an opportunity to expound maybe in a field that people recognize and is considered to be very is uh, uh, considered to vary a speciality in terms of the Islamic religion. And firstly, alhamdulillah, because of the comparative religion that we do, a lot of people are not familiar, even amongst the ulama fraternity. They are not, they're not fully understanding of the various concepts that, uh, that, is, that comes into play when you do comparative religion. So, for example, a basic understanding of the Bible is necessary if you talk to a Christian because how can you in a team 
even you don't know the commonality yourself. So uh, we get called upon by many Islamic organizations and bodies who step into what we have already learned in this particular field. So they ha may have questions sometimes that come out from discussions or queries or question questions that come into their offices. How do you deal with this particular question in the light of the Quran and maybe from the biblical perspective? Is there anything that you can share with us? So Alhamdulillah, Allah SWT has taken us and continues to use us in various many aspects of this uh, of, of of Islam, more particularly fo focusing on comparative religion, doing dawah, reach outreach programs, and funny enough, funny enough, I say this, and maybe you can share the same sentiment, is that we found that in Ramadan, there are more people that are interested about Islam, there are more people that embrace Islam than any other month, and this this seems to be something unique that I perceived over the last few years that the work of Dawah needs to be escalated in Ramadan because it's, it appears that because the shayateen are tied up, that there is an even easier approach to your message. And we use this opportunity, alhamdulillah, together with the feeding schemes that other people may run. So somebody may go in to decide that, you know what, every Fridays, every Saturdays, once a week, twice a week, we'd like to go into a particular area and we'd like to feed all the people, Muslim and non-Muslim. So what we do is we try to partner up with them, send a delegation of people together with this feeding program and go out there with pamphlets, little booklets and explain to them that the food you can give, the food is available to everybody, Muslim, non-Muslim, irrespective of what who they are, where they come from, the food is there for everybody. But together with the food for the, for the, for the body, we want to give you food for the soul. So we use this opportunity because we have people's attention when we're sitting there or people are waiting in a queue or people, they just had something to eat now and they, they're willing to now to discuss with you about what you have to offer. This is a lucrative opportunity for us to do our dawah. So for the people that do the feeding are there for the people that are doing the welfare and the charity out there this is some advice and the sihah that I can give to these people is that take a dawah team with you take one or two or three people that are familiar with doing dawah and outreach programs and reaching out to Christians and non-Muslims and explaining to them that you know Islam is such a beautiful religion it's a religion where we are feeding you and you are you are you are feeding yourself and we are the ones who are fasting and it's irrelevant to us. It means nothing that we um, have to fast because for us, it is something extremely beautiful. It's something that's extremely virtuous and noble. But to feed you is something that we, we it is an honor for us to do. And you can continue eating because you don't, uh, you're not a Muslim. But I want to tell you what is it and use it as an opportunity either to start by giving in the angle of what Ramadan is to us as believers, giving the spiritual aspect, talk about the physical aspect. Today, people are concerned about their bodies. People are concerned about their health. People are concerned about their minds. Give them these types, bring in these types of dawah um, benefits to these people. People are spending millions of rands going all over the world trying to find physical satisfaction, trying to get the type of uh, shifa in treatment that uh, in, in different different countries and is spending thousands of rands. So here we can explain to people that how easy is it for us as Muslims without spending money, in fact, by saving money, 
how we able to bring ourselves back to health. And you know, and I know it's a month that we as Muslims look forward to because for 11 months of the year, we have been abusing our bodies. For 11 months of the year, we've been just indulging. And for 11 months of the year, we've, we've you know, we, we've just been enjoying what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. But for one month of the year, we are conditioning ourselves. We're coming back to grassroots. We're coming back to the reality. And just to, you know, just, just to now uh, finalize in terms of this discussion, use the opportunity for those people that do the feeding schemes, use this opportunity to bring dawah in. And whatever success there is, it is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, sir, Muhammad, you know, you talk about uh, the noble Quran, a third of the Quran addresses the Yahud and the Nasaras and also, you know, don't say Salasa, don't say Trinity, uh, desist, you know, and all those uh, messages are coming through because the Yahudis and uh, the Nasara, the pagans too, were always questioning uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They were put up by the Yahudis of the time uh, to ask him questions. And, uh, you know, if you really look at the Quran, because uh, Sheikh Ahmad that once was told by a, uh, a Sheikh from uh, Egypt, he said, Ya Sheikh, why are you doing this? You're upsetting the Christians of my country. You're upsetting the Christians of the world. And then uh, uh, Ahmadidah told them, you know what? Uh, am I upsetting you when I'm speaking the truth? Am I, am I upsetting you when I quote the ayat of the Noble Quran when Ibrahim salam addressed his father? Did he not upset his father? What did Ibrahim salam's father tell Ibrahim? Oh, Ibrahim, be gone. I'm going to give it to you. I'll give you a good hiding. You are, you are irritating me. And those were like, you know, I'm bringing it into modern language and so forth. So uh, people will get upset because the truth, the truth is, uh, you know, it's a bitter pill to swallow, uh, Muhammad. And, you know, people just say, no, no, you know what? No, you can't do all this. You have to do it because whilst we are living, the living Quran, if you we are walking and if you walk the talk, you'll have to talk the Quran and it will, it's going to upset a lot of people. Uh, how do you react, Muhammad? You know, we live in a very beautiful country. We live in a very unique country. We live living in a country that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for us. If we were to choose a country, we would not have been able to do better. For the circumstances and for the environment, for the quality of life, for the improvement of our deen, this is a country that is flourishing. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Yes. It's got its shortfalls, it's got its pitfalls, it's got its shortcomings. At the end of the day, we need to make shukr because we're not even living in civil war, alhamdulillah. We're not living in a country where we're so concerned, is there bombs going to be falling down on us? We're not living in a country that so many Muslims are living under. Or the oppression of the government is so bad they could put you in jail for 90 days or 180 days or years on end or in Guantanamo or some of these camps that they house Muslims. So alhamdulillah, Notwithstanding those issues, we still continue to do the dawah. And we found from our experience in doing dawah that by and large, I would say close to 99% of time, the time we are received with positiveness from the people. We are received at the very least, they give us a hearing. If they do turn away and they walk away, so be it. This is the nature of exactly the type of challenges that the previous MBI have had. And if we come of the, again, uh, against those types of challenges, we say, Alhamdulillah, but, but not to discourage anybody. We have found that the people, the indigenous people in our country love us. They are, they are fully rec uh, rec recognized of the efforts 
that we have done as Muslims in this country towards assisting and implementing and feeding and educating the masses, what we as small Muslim community have done and continue to do Currently in Ramadan, when the feeding programs happen, the non-Muslims get fed in the process, irrespective of what the situation is. Some of the Islamic organizations that provide services in the time of uh, challenges yeah, are, are, are Islamic organizations that assist everybody in the community. How can we not assist and the, our non-Muslim neighbors and our non-Muslim community members? So yes, I think that the people are appreciative of what we do. They have taken cognizance of what is it that we are doing and they respect us for what we are doing and they will give you at the very least an ear. It's not going to be that every person you talk to is going to embrace Islam. So be it because this is in the nature of Allah, this destines and who Allah has already decreed that will accept Islam, will accept Islam. It is not out of the control of Allah whether a person accepts, accepts Islam uh, or, or doesn't accept Islam. So my 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 message in this regard is be positive stay focused we are living in a beautiful country where the people are willing to accept us if on the odd occasion there is a backlash then believe that this is the way of the sunnah of the ambiya and they also receive the backlash from the community and we read the stories and our hearts go out to the types of trials and tribulations that they that they achieved and they had to go through but at the end of the day, they were, became, they were victorious and the message went out loud and clear and they were, not threatened, they were not intimidated by the threats of the people. Have that consciously in your mind and go out and do the dawah and do not let the negativity and the shayateen from the jinn and the ins continue to, 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 to bring us down and to, to bring in any negativity in the work of dawah, inshallah. Jazakallah uh, for that, uh, Muhammad. Uh, a message from it was uh, from uh, Tahir, and he said, "Assalamu alaikum, uh, brother Shafat Ahmed Khan, and uh, attorney Hafiz uh, Muhammad Kuvadia. I really enjoy the rapport between you two. But uh, may I uh, please inquire about scammers uh, that are here in our country that are requesting fees upfront uh, or, or or personal information in return for goods, services, money, or rewards uh, that they never supply." These scammers invent, uh, Muhammad, uh, in convincing and uh, seemingly genuine reasons for requesting payment, uh, such as to cover fees or taxes and so forth. They often ask for payment uh, by international wire transfer. These scams are commonly um, uh, sent to us uh, quite often uh, with a powerful logo or a logo that uh, really can uh, buy and sell anyone. Muhammad, what uh, what are our rights as a citizens of this country and uh, what are what is the government doing about these scammers? Because I believe many of our people have been scammed for a lot of money. Muhammad, how do you respond to Tyre there? Okay, so first you need to understand that today we're living in an international community and people are buying a lot of products overseas. But when you buy products overseas, what type of protection do you have vis-a-vis buying a, a, a product that's local and domestic. So when you buy a, pro, a product from China, say you buy a laptop computer, by the time you come, what you thought was a particular size or particular quality laptop, by the time it comes into this country, if it ever comes into this country, is then something completely different. South African government and South African laws do not protect you against uh, companies that trade overseas. Whatever rights of recourse in terms of Consumer Protection Act or in terms of 
regulatory bodies or in terms of ombudsman only work within the borders of South African context. So automatically, you know, people run overseas because the product appears to be cheaper, but they say in Afrikaans, good cop as dear cop. By the time you actually bring the product in and you look at the warranty that you don't have anymore and you look at what you had to pay in terms of taxes and what you had to do in terms of uh, terms of waiting, um, I think a person who should be prudent enough to say to himself that a type of product that requires a guarantee or warranty like a watch or a cell phone or a computer, I can only buy it domestically and for me to go and buy it overseas may be cheaper and I may get the product, but what happens three months down the line and the product stops working? The local manufacturers, the local importers will not honor the guarantee of a product that you've not purchased via them. So already that should be a first suspicion. Number two is that regarding domestic companies, uh, of course, you know, today we have various platforms where people could go and advertise particular products. But the product that you are purchasing, if you're not seeing, seeing it, or feeling it and touching it, then you really, it could be very well considered to be a blind buy. Um, but th there is certain rights of recourse. So if you are able to identify who the seller was, able to identify, uh, get a copy of his ID, it would give you some right of recourse towards laying criminal charges against him and possibly getting him arrested. But when you deal with fraudsters, when you deal with criminals, then you must understand one thing, is that they are either so used to the criminal behavior that they've already figured out how is it to cheat the system, how is it to get around the system. So, for example, he may send you an ID, but the ID itself is fraudulent. He may produce a physical ID document, but the ID document could be so well tempered with that you would not know the difference. Then a lot of people buy products and don't fully understand the nature of the product. So... I've had a situation just recently uh, where a person bought a 1.5 million rand exclusive vehicle. The person brought the ID and um, the ID was a genuine ID. It was his full name and it was his a proper identity document and his pictures matched and everything. But at the end of the day, the vehicle was stolen and he couldn't pick it up on the face of it. So he went out and he paid 1.5 million rand hoping to buy a vehicle that was worth maybe 1.8 million rand at the end of the day. He had to have, the, once he discovered that the vehicle was actually stolen, he had no choice but to hand it into the police station because by continuing to hold on to an illegal product like this, he would become a victim. He could be charged criminally in terms of possession of uh, stolen or, uh, stolen items and as a result of which he could be just as big as a culprit as a person who stole it or as a person who sold it. So in the process, this was unfortunate. So these measures need to be considered from various angles. The other thing is people today, are, you know, we, we're living in an environment where today on the one hand, we do get these good opportunities and good offers, but there's, you know, how 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 lucrative is it? Do I really need to be purchasing all these items at these prices because it could be fake items? It could be, we think it's expensive shoes or sneakers or clothing items. In the meantime, it's fake imports and it's not even worth 10% of what is it we are paying. All these questions need to be brought to the front. And, um, you know, I... I, I we we get we get emails from banks warning us all the time. Be careful 
of this scam. Be careful of this phishing email. Be careful of this. So the, 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 as much as we can try to educate people, I think people need to consciously um, remind themselves that every deal should be verified, should be checked. So, you know, when I purchase something first time online, I normally phone the company and make sure that they exist. Google their, their, their address and make sure that they are with the place that they are. So I know tomorrow if I need to drive down to Durban and uh, punch somebody in the face, at least there's, uh, there's a person I can punch and there's a business that I can come to and make a noise. But today you're dealing um, with, with uh, non-existent entities people that are untraceable and they going out on social media and they're selling. I mean, I've heard just the other day about people that are selling homes and taking deposits from people in homes they don't even own. So, you know, consult an attorney when you, when you deal with some of these things, especially with homes and all this is verifiable information. You put on a deposit for home for 50,000 rand or 100,000 rand thinking that, you know, we'll go sit with the lawyer. But before you pay 10 rand, go sit with a lawyer. You may charge you 500 for a consultation, but he's going to verify that the person who's selling you the property is, in fact, the owner of the property. Check with you that the water and lights municipality, that there's no bond on the property, or if there is a bond on the property, you could get some information f from uh, f for you. And these are the types of checks and balances that is necessary in today's day and age for you to save your money. Because if you lose your money, what's your right of recourse? You go to the, you lay a criminal charge, and we know how efficient the South African police services are. So chances are that person will just look the other way and continue to, uh, to, 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 to replicate his crime. And unfortunately, he gets away with it because the, 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 the police services are not competent enough, or they're not skilled enough, or they're not manned enough to be able to deal with these issues, unfortunately. Beautiful indeed, uh, Mohammed. Uh, looking at uh, Salim's question here, he says, Assalamu alaikum, uh, Attorney Mohammed Bavadia. I really enjoyed uh, your rapport last week. Uh, I, I still would like to probe on uh, the charity uh, scams that that's, uh, uh, ha is happening in this uh, country, uh, both uh, locally and uh, of uh, and internationally for people coming from out of the country. He says uh, the scammers are definitely unscrupulous and they're taking advantage of our kind and sweet nature and uh, we donate in good faith but it seems that, that, that these scammers are, uh, are collecting money for their own uh, hedonistic pleasures and are using it uh, to enrich themselves and in, uh, indulge themselves. I also want to know from Mohammed what is uh, the punishment or what is the charges that I can lay on uh, these scammers who uh, pretend to be Dawa organizations, uh, take our money and uh, swindle us. I also want to know what is the punishment for those from overseas that come and collect our money if we charge them or what type of punishment will they re receive? Will they be put in jail or will they be uh, sent back to their country? Uh, quite a few questions uh, from uh, uh, Salim. How do you respond to him, Mohammed? I hope I can answer all his questions in one fell swoop, be that as it may. So yes, Ramadan seems to be the month of plenty, where we have plenty collectors from around the world who believe that the South African rand has value. I see the South African rand has absolutely little or no value, especially in other countries. You could go to a country like Egypt, go to a country like Saudi Arabia, and you'll see how devalued our rand has become. Go to a North African country from Egypt or Libya or Morocco, and you'll see how valueless 
our currency has become. So I wondered to myself, what foreigners are doing in South Africa when they should actually be sending their dollars and their pounds and their euros to South Africa. I mean, a thousand euros would feed a community of people. Our thousand rands has absolutely no value when you convert it into dollars. It's like something like 70 or 80 dollars. And that's not even enough for, for two people. So when foreigners come into our country, I sometimes ask them, are you really going to, by the time you consider what your expenses was, was to come into South Africa, by the time you consider what your costs are, your petrol, your accommodation, your fees, because these people who come, they collect a fee for the for what they, there's a charge that they charge the organization for what they collect, and it could be anywhere between ten and twenty percent. So for every hundred rand that you're giving into this organization, between ten and twenty rand for the first ten and twenty rand is going to go into his pocket. If that's not on a basis where these people charge per day for their efforts, and they so if a person comes from overseas. You got to understand that that person had to buy a plane ticket in the region of twelve to fifteen thousand rand for an average plane ticket. Then it's the month of Ramadan, so he needs to obviously have a place to stay for thirty days. He needs to have a driver who knows who can drive locally, who can speak locally, who can show him locally. So he needs to pay that particular person a thousand or two thousand rand a day. He needs to hire a car. These petrol charges, all these things. Per day could very well cost him two, three, four, five thousand rand per day. So the first five thousand rand that you're going to give is only going towards the expenses for the brother to be here. And unfortunately, our economy is not ripe for us to export money um, when we know that the situation in this country is 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 in dire need of our assistance. So in other words, that we could have a thousand rand and we could very well put up a whole pot a pot of food with that. And we could feed the local community in and around a particular area, in and around the Musallis, in the masjid. This could be done, and that would be very well deserved and would be received, well received because the people are desperate for food. The people are hungry. Some of the areas, the situation is so bad in the country that you wonder to yourself that these organizations that come and collect these monies, are they more in need of it or are there certain sections and communities in our community that is in more need of this? Also remember sometimes that the type of, if we support the activities locally, that is a means of dawah for us. If we send money to Bangladesh, if we send money to Pakistan, if we send money to the Muslim races in India, alhamdulillah, they are getting fed. But the thing is, there are Muslims already, and the dawa aspect is not, is not, is not, is not going. It's not, it's not in conjunction, or it's not done in conjunction with that. So yes, a lot of these people that come through are charlatans. A lot of these people that come through are scammers. How do you know, and how do you investigate? It is extremely difficult for an ordinary person because nowadays you do not even get approval letters from the Jamiat. You do not get approval letters from the organization because they realize that it is impossible for us to monitor and it's impossible for us to check each and every organization. There's hundreds of organizations that come in from overseas. So they come with some sort of their own type of approval letter of recommendation issued by some fatwa council, issued by some Qadis, issued by some court. You yourself is to make, have to make a concerted effort to try to investigate that this organization that I'm giving money to is it worthy of what it is? Now, I've seen from my experience, and this is something people don't may not realize at the outset, 
that in some of these Islamic organizations, the people who are in charge, they write checks out for themselves. So hypothetically, they have a few students, they have a few expenses every month, and maybe that comes up to 30,000 rand a month. That's the salary bill and the whatever electricity, water, and rental that he needs to pay, and it comes up to 30,000 rand a month. And it comes in and it doesn't come in and it comes in and it doesn't come in. But in Ramadan, people are extremely jealous and sometimes he could go and collect a million rand as a result of that. So he thinks to himself, you know what, even if I have to cater for my expenses for one year, I've covered that and there'll still be an extra 500,000 rand. So what stops him from taking 500,000 rand and paying himself a salary of 500,000 rand because he doesn't have a board of trustees, he doesn't have any sort of accountability, he doesn't have some sort of responsibility or transparency in his organization. How much salary is the principal earning? And if the principal manages to get some sort of a windfall of generosity during this beautiful month, is that now going to be something that he's going to be benefiting from? And I've seen it. I've seen these things happen. Unfortunately, in the profession that we are, the information comes to us like this, and you lose absolute respect even for the genuine collectors, because you are now become, you've been now become suspicious of what you're hearing of previous people. And the one thing is how, you know, have, have asked the person who's coming to collect, ask him the right questions. I've had situations where I've actually phoned people in India and I said, listen, there is this particular madrasa and is, is it is it working? Is it running? Is there proper management from what you know? And by and large, I get responses from them that would help me make a decision. I've had various responses. I've had positive responses, alhamdulillah. I've had some responses to say, there's only 20 people at The monthly expenses are so much. It wasn't necessary for this person to come to South Africa and collect money because by and large, his expenses are... Uh, 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 have been covered by what he collects and what he's able to afford domestically in India, for example. And then you hear total scams, people coming in here and professing and, you know, uh, creating this illusion of them running huge madrasas with huge budgets and huge expenses. And as a result of which they play on your emotions and how the children are suffering and how they need uh, in the masjid needs musallas and there's no water and all these things. And you pay in the meantime, by and large, these are just fraudulent activities. So if you do uncover a fraudster, somebody who's scamming the public, I mean, it's important that the message goes out to other people. And this is, you know, uh, this, this, this is actually an obligation. It's not riba or backbiting to warn another brother of a possible calamity or tragedy or a loss is something that is noble and something that should should be encouraged. So people, if they do know that there's somebody in the area, there's somebody that's come to Durban CBD and is walking around with a collection book and we found out that this person is, is, is just a fraudster, then let the people in the community know that this person should not be supported and that uh, they, they are, have, are aware of it. And that if the person is fraudulent, if, if you can prove and this is unfortunately the difficulty. If you can prove that the person is a fraud, fraudster, then you have your intent to go to the police station and lay criminal charges against him for fraud um, at, at the local police station, and they will be obliged to, um, to, to arrest him. But this comes with its own level of issues because 
if 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 you say that this person you know is coming to South Africa and is collecting money, it's difficult for the police to actually go and verify in Pakistan or Bangladesh or India that this person actually has or doesn't have a madrasa and as a result of which his money could may or may not be used in the correct manner. That 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 in itself is a bit difficult and uh, you know for 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 us to, for for other for police services and the courts to prosecute and to convict. So remember that's an issue. But to to deceive money from from a person is of course from an Islamic perspective, it's haram. Uh, Nabi Sallallahu said, he who deceives us is not on uh, of us. And also from a legal perspective, deception is fraud and fraud is at the end of the day a criminal offense. So there are sanctions that could very well be put into place. But I think the best sanction should that can and the most effective would be to boycott certain people, certain organizations or certain areas where we know that there is an abuse of of of, of of money in that particular town and the people are charlatans and the people are just fraudsters in the areas and there's collectors come out but they come out for holidays and they come out for other uh, good times and during the month of Ramadan when uh, people are, should be involved in ibadat and should be involved in these things these people for them it's a holiday and they just come here and want to exploit the situation and the generosity of the South African Muslims Yes, sir, Muhammad, a very comprehensive day indeed. And uh, whilst you're talking, I was thinking of uh, Sheikh uh, Ahmadina Rahimullah. And I remember him telling me, you know, better, I used to go door to door because if I wanted to pl- print uh, uh, only 500 pamphlets, I had to go and ask, uh, literally beg, he, say, uh, he said, uh, to go to businessman to businessman and they'll make you park for one hour. He said, sometime three hours better and they'll give you a shilling or 10 shillings and so forth. And this is how Ahmadi that went around with his brown bag. I don't know who he gave that brown bag to. Did he give it to Ayub Karim? I don't know. That's what I, uh, I think he's, he's given it to him. And, uh, you know, subsequently Ahmadi that told me those people that he used to go for and ask uh, for a donation, they became his tenants. You remember D that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made it easy. Uh, the Arab uh, donors uh, gave him, these are the Arab, uh, you know, businessmen. Uh, uh, money to buy buildings to, so that he could uh, subsidize his dawah work and so forth. But uh, you could see how, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had helped him to, you know, uh, free him of the burdens of the world and to carry on with a powerful dawah institute. Uh, Ahmed, uh, Muhammad, uh, your your take on that? Okay, so I didn't get the brown bag. <laughs> All right, no, no, no. You're, you're quite you right. I, I think, think we'll be going. We'll go and check Ayub Karim out for that brown we, bag. We need to go yeah. take our boxing gloves there and go fight yeah. with him there and maybe get our brown bag. A lot of dollars in it. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe you never know. Our fortunes will change also. Like Sheikh Ahmadjidat's fortunes did change. Alhamdulillah. We make luck, luck, sugar to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that today, Alhamdulillah, we, me and you, um, you know, we've through the efforts and through the, of the achievements of Sheikh Ahmadidat, the work of Dawah is supported in various ways. We have people that love to do Dawah and are seeing the results and of the efforts of people like Sheikh Ahmadidat in the Islamic organizations. And everybody has a role and a function. You know, we talk about Sheikh Rafiq Hassan or Ayub Karim or IPCI or Shafat or Muhammad Guvadia. We're all involved in Dawah and whatever little bit we are able to achieve, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the true extent of everybody's efforts and his ikhlas and sincerity as well. So we pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts our efforts as meager 
and as full of uh, as weak as it is and as full of holes as it is we pray that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, accepts that from us and just just you know um, yes we we got to admire the efforts of people like Sheikh Hamadida that went out so that certain 500 books could be performed in a time when the financial situation was also not very good people were struggling people didn't have basic um, all the lifestyles were, were very basic at that time and you know uh, so so it could have been a different type of challenge which maybe I I can't experience and I can't relate to but yes it is quite noteworthy for the people to have went out and like you say and I know from another experience um, when he used somebody mentioned to me that he used to have a, 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 a buggy a VW Beetle that's a Beetle and when he used to drive to Port Shepston he had money to fill petrol to go to Port Shepston but he never had money to come back from Port Shepson. So that was the work of Allah, you know, that it was a, a person who was so immersed in his dawah and so had the yakin in the tawakkal that Allah SWT will put the petrol for him to come back. Um, and if he doesn't get it immediately, he just must, has to continue and to sacrifice. So inshallah, we should try to have that type and even better type of tawakkul and yakin in in in, uh, in Allah. You know, I, I ask people sometimes when it's salat al-istisqa, when if, if you're going out for salat al-istisqa, that's the salat for rain, do you take an umbrella? Surely, you know, we should have the tawakkul and the yakin that we should need to take our umbrella for that salat because by the time that salat is finished, we must have full yakin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to be ready to send his blessings down to us. So yes, yes, some challenging times from some of the previous uh, du'a, we make du'a that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to increase their daraja and their status in the year after. Yeah, looking at uh, more questions that, that are coming for you. Uh, Salim says, uh, when uh, Muhammad, when you are contacted, uh, when you contact a business, you know who's on the other end of the line. But when someone contacts you first, and I get irritated by this, you can't be certain they're telling you the truth, and you don't know if they are uh, if they are whom they say they are. And remember, email addresses and uh, caller ID information can be faked and hacked. But uh, what are my legal rights uh, for, uh, for 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 swearing these people and putting them to shame and telling them not to phone me anymore? Uh, I'm sure you can't use superlatives uh, when uh, you find these people irritating you all the time. How do you uh, respond to Nazir, uh, <laughs> Muhammad? <laughs> Salim. Okay, so um, I, 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 for one, I always go and I check the website and I look at the quality of the website to understand was this the website that was done haphazardly or this is a website that's in existence for many years and is a website that is up to and here's correct information that's number one always go and check that type of information number two is that you find that in terms of correspondences and letters that uh, when you're dealing with somebody that the language also is descriptive of the type of person that you're dealing with a lot of these scams emanate from outside South Africa so they obviously you know Nigeria is notorious for these types of scams but what's also associated is that the language um, that, that comes out of Nigeria, especially as princes of Nigeria, the English not so great. So they seem to make simple errors. Then another thing to watch out for, for example, is email addresses. So if you're sending or receiving an email, the email address must correspond. You know, you get these types of SMSs that come through from Coca-Cola 
it says like you know you have won a million bucks and please respond to abcdcoca-cola gmail.com now how could coca-cola even consider having a gmail address or a yahoo address automatically when you look at that that should be thrashed and you should say to yourself you know what this is a huge sign for me then today you you get the type of spam emails where they're asking you to log into your e, your banking app and your banking account but you need to use the link that is provided in the email address so that link says you know secure your account or your emails have been blocked or your emails have been hacked and go into the account and unfortunately professional people doctors lawyers engineers are the ones that are getting caught in these types of scams people that are fully aware of the nature of hacking and phishing and scamming are the same people that are getting hacked and phished and scammed so you know that is something that we we try to be extremely cautious as we can but the criminals have become so novel today they so advanced today that when banks sends out notifications or security companies warn you against certain types of uh, of, of of threats or criminality that's coming into it they seem to have evolved and have found another way to scam people out of their money so yes i'm seeing there is a change uh, uh there's always upgrades in these ways there's a new product that's come out from banks that they don't use your account number they use your cell phone where not sorry where the banks now ask merchants to give their cell phone number instead of an account number so the money goes through the cell phone number into the into the into the account so maybe that's a more safer way for people to start doing things but these types of needs are coming into the market because of the type of scams that are getting that are out there also another thing is you'll find that many a times you know uh, mail order brides or some sort of a, a, a love connection or some sort of a relationship is going to brew over the internet over these sites and people are getting scammed especially they find that elderly people are more susceptible and are more trusting when giving out details over the internet you know they get an email to say that i'm in a lot of trouble i need to cross the border and come into a particular country and for that i need to pay a thousand dollars to this 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 and you know whatever there may be some sort of a financial reward for assisting them or there may just be some sort of a, a ply uh, a plea to the elderly to say you know i would not get my child back as a result of me not being able to pay this and unfortunately we're getting reports we're seeing this type of thing happening uh, uh, for people because they just too innocent too gullible too soft for 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 criminals uh, on social media yeah mohammed you know people are so desperate nowadays uh, they'll do anything for a quick buck and uh, uh, these uh, you know swindlers or these scammers uh, they are professional psychologists i mean they know how to prey upon people prey and uh, they know exactly what type of a bait to dangle and usually the dangle is a big money Uh, big money there's big money so uh, would you say those that fall for these uh, scams they also culpable i i i really wouldn't say they culpable i make a generalized statement like that because by and large mm. i think a lot of people are duped into unfortunately uh these uh, not not understanding i don't expect my 70 year old mother to know, know and understand how um 
uh, online purchasing works and what are the telltale signs of fraudulent or scammers. Today, I mean, you're innocently sitting at uh, or going through social media page, something like Facebook, and it comes up to say there's a vehicle for sale. And you say, wow, this is exactly the type of vehicle that my son would uh, would want. And then we go out and buy it, and you're thinking that you're buying a vehicle in the meantime, you pay a deposit to somebody and by the time you get there, that person didn't exist and doesn't exist and you've already lost. And even if it's a 3,000 or 5,000, it's a loss. So yes, I think um, sometimes, sometimes on the other occasion it's greed. When people see a good opportunity, a phone that's worth 20,000 is now being sold for 5,000 and a person thinks to himself, wow, if I could just buy and sell this phone, I can make myself a good few thousand rand. Maybe it's that type of greed. But by and large, you know, I, I, I still say that it's we should not blame the victim. We should not attribute anything. Measures need to be put into place all the time. I, I, I mean, I get from some of the elderly family members when I meet them or I see them or they forward me an SMS and they'll say, please check this out. Forget that. I have I have queries from businessmen, adult male businessmen. So for example, just the other day, I got an SMS from a client. It was like, uh, you need to appear in the high court tomorrow, the 10th of March, uh, regarding your case, click the link. And when you click the link, it, it asks you for your name and asks you for other personal information. And this person honestly thought, was is it some sort of a fine or was it like, you know, something that I never took care of many years ago or, you know, his, his, his head will be filled with many different alternatives as to why he was, he was supposed to have been in court the next day. But nobody sends you an SMS and tells you that you need to be in court the next day. They serve you with a necessary court document served by the sheriff and they give you sufficient notice for you to appear in court. But obviously he's not a legal person, he's a businessman, but just, you know, he forwarded it to me. I went to it, I phoned him back immediately, I said, don't open that website, it's a, some sort of a spamming uh, SMS, and they're looking for your personal information so that they can hack into your system. So yes, it's not just the elderly, it's professional people that can be duped, sometimes slight of hand, sometimes you're not even realizing, you click onto something and a bank page opens up and you think it's your bank page, and you just subconsciously start typing in your information, in the meantime, information is going through to the hackers, people on the other side, and what they do is, as you punching in the information, they're going onto the the necessary bank website, and they're putting it in. So when you get a PIN number, for example, you put it into your system, they receive it on their side, and they put it, and as a result of which, they were able to move money out of your account, whatever is available. I've seen it happen where they phoned a client, and they said, listen, we need uh, you to log into your uh, to your your app and they, they, it appeared that they were phoning from the bank's call center and they went and they purchased 60,000 rand worth of jewelry on the client's account because the client didn't realize. They said, you'll be getting a PIN number. Please let us know what is the PIN number. And like that, they were, were conducting a purchase and they went and they purchased 60,000 rand. So yes, unfortunately, you know, people are becoming smarter. People are becoming uh, more uh, more, 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 there's an element of disguise so that the ordinary person is now being duped and the people need to become more aware of what the, the, how, how easily people are able to be, uh, become victims to these types of cyber crimes. Fascinating uh, conversation with our attorney, 
uh, Hafiz Muhammad, uh, attorney Hafiz Muhammad Kavadia. Uh, Muhammad, you know, some people, you know, when they get scammed and the pride will tell them, no, man, I can't let this, I can't let it uh, stay. So they try to scam the scammer and they try to get uh, revenge. Uh, it's an idea because uh, it's, a, it's an idea that's uh, based on criminality too. I mean, uh, fighting evil with evil. It's something like that, uh, Muhammad. What's your reaction to it? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I'll be hopping mad if somebody takes mm. the money from me and if I can get some money back from them, I mm. think it would be street justice. But um, sometimes we become more desperate. I'll give you an example that happened to me a few years ago is that my daughter's car got stolen from the university and um, about three or four days later, I get a call and this person purports to be from Wood Bank uh, Police Station and he says, uh, Mr. Kuvaria, I've got your... Um, I've got your vehicle with me. We've just managed to recover it. It's here. We need to take it to the police station. So uh, we can wait for the truck. It will come a little later this evening. I'm going to leave your vehicle here. So I said, oh, that's wonderful news. And um, uh, I actually phoned my daughter. The, uh, my daughter said that he needs to speak to me. Uh, I said, it's wonderful news. So can I come through to Wet Bank and pick up the vehicle now? So he says, no, we need to process the vehicle. But uh, it's good. They're waiting for a flatbed to come and collect the vehicle. So I said, okay, he said, but there is a private company that's standing there and they can take this flatbed vehicle through to the police station immediately so that the vehicle continue can continue to be under police surveillance and at the same time, nobody can damage, steal or, you know, remove something from the vehicle. So I said, so what does that mean? He says, no, it means that if you can just pay this tow truck driver 5,000 rand, then he'll safely take the vehicle through and I can make sure that you can come through tomorrow or the following day and pick up your vehicle. I can process it for you quickly and efficiently. And I thought to myself, wow, that sounds like a deal. But, but you know, I, there was something, a nagging suspicion at the back of my head. And when I googled the numbers that he was giving me, it was, I, fortunately, there was telltale signs. Somebody had already logged it on as scammer uh, and, you know, uh, uh, not saps and something silly like that. And I looked at it in there and I saw. So what I did is I said, that's fine. No problem. I'll be sending you the 5,000. Then you can, what you do is you can just go and uh, deliver the vehicle and I'll, 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 I'll make the necessary arrangements with you. But what I did is I took an uh, SMS from the bank, you know, the payments, the SMSs you get, and I just reworded it and rephrased it and I copied and pasted it and sent it through to him. And then I phoned him back. He said, but the money didn't appear. I said, yes, because I'm paying it from one account, from another bank to another bank. So it will only appear later in the day. Now, you know, that's not my fault. It may take about half an hour or so to appear. Maybe I did put immediate clearing, but it still doesn't happen immediately. So uh, he says, oh, okay. And uh, he was happy to hear that. And of course, 10 months later, like I suspected, all his numbers were off and he didn't exist. So, you know, in a way he thought he scammed another 5,000. But then, I went on to Google after that and I went to see and I saw that this was a ploy. There are people that have friends with inside the police station and are able to say that Mr. ABC's vehicle got stolen on Friday and it's a white Toyota Corolla and this is the registration and his contact number. So that information is given to these guys. These people phone. Now you're receiving a phone call thinking, wow, SEP's finally doing their job. That's great news. My 100,000 rand vehicle, if I just have to, if I don't mind even giving the cop the 5,000 rand because he's recovered a 100,000 rand vehicle for me. So you're elated, you're excited. And by the time you realize what happened, you lost another 5,000 rand because you became desperate to recover your vehicle. And, you know, finally, some bit of good news. 
the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow was was reached but what what is it at the end of the day um, so uh, it's unfortunately where these scammers have found other ploys to steal people more from people even after some somebody else has, has stripped them of the last bit of dignity and respect that you have by by stealing your vehicle or hijacking or holding you up so yeah unfortunately the reality and we want to do get back but we may remember and this is you know when i suffer a loss we we always remember that it is um that it is allah that has decreed that this kulli yusibna illa ma kataballahu lana allah tells us in the quran that no harm or no evil will befall a believer or any person because it is as as allah has already decreed it 50000 years before the creation of heaven and earth. so everything has already been predestined and has already been decreed and this is part of the qadr of allah and you and me are going to be going through these types of challenges and these types of losses but there is ultimate justice and that justice is allah is the most just will be taking the record and will be doing the hisab and those people that have inconvenienced you by even putting a thorn in your way are the same people who will be held accountable for making bringing you these types of miseries and these types of losses and fatalities and whatever loss it is that we we will go through so there is as muslims alhamdulillah alhamdulillah we know and understand that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold them accountable and as a result of which the day of kiyamah we will be we will be beaming we will be proud because the patience and the loss that we suffered we will report multiple times multiple times more than what is it that our loss was and uh, that is the reward that is granted to us as believers alhamdulillah alhamdulillah a lot of passion coming through then jazakallah khaira for sharing that uh, story with us uh, muhammad uh, your parting words uh, this evening before we let you go jeez so few days before ramadan uh, you know we like to take this opportunity of encouraging our brothers that ramadan is a very very beautiful month of the year it is a month that we should not lose sight of when a person is going to take part in a marathon he starts preparing a few days few weeks few months in advance not a few days a few months in advance there is already a level of preparation because a marathon is something that is going to take place for practically the whole day this month of ramadan is going to take place it is on our doorstep is going to take place for a whole month in terms of a preparation what we need to do is we need to make sure that during this month we actually immerse ourselves in being the type of muslim that we ought to be and we should be we need to go back and say listen if i haven't been reading five five times salah if the fact that we if we don't read five times salah already means we need to question our very existence and our very nature of our islam so that is an absolute minimum but more so it's making our salah on time more so it means that we should have the need and the desire to have all our salahs in jamaat and from the aspect of our ibadat and our quran if we were reading one quarter a day let's increase it to one supara a day one manzil a day let's try to increase our efforts during this beautiful month 
let's not lose sight of Ramadan. There may be a few days for Ramadan, but it, Allah may decree that we don't even reach that month. So for those of us that have the benefit and an opportunity of this beautiful month of Ramadan, we learn from the Sahaba how serious they became during this month, how every non-eventuality was removed from their life interest. Their focus was on the, the on, on their deen and the Islam. So, the trawi and everything else that goes with it, we should immerse ourselves, take full advantage of this beautiful month and you know Ramadan Kareem, we wish all uh, the lovers out there a blessed and a beautiful month and we hope that inshallah they can come out of this forgiven as the Islam said that the way his person, person's nose and face be rubbed in dust if he comes out of Ramadan not having been forgiven for his sins let, us, let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we pray that He forgives us for all our shortcomings, big and small, that done knowingly and unknowingly. And Jazakallah to yourself for always, always thinking about us and giving us this golden platform to express ourselves in the way that the listeners can benefit and we ourselves could benefit. And uh, uh, Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, sir. Uh, our attorney Hafiz Muhammad Kubadia, an international platform, has heard your input uh, this evening, and Allah bless you for your knowledge and uh, for readily uh, availing uh, availing yourself for this uh, program. Time for us to go for the Isha'zan, and inshallah we will continue after that.